Chapter 13 of Matthew, if you turn there with me, verse 47. I do want to say there is a parents' meeting um, after service today in the youth chapel. Uh, Pastor Matt wants to talk to us about what's going on for 2020 and the year of 2020, the good things happening uh, for us and what's going on. Um, I, I invited uh, Brother Clee to be up here on the platform with us. I said he's a minister, he needs to be with the ministry today. And uh, they're going to be leaving in three weeks or so, three, three or two weeks. Two weeks they're going to be going to, uh, moving, heading towards Hong Kong for, for six weeks and uh, helping in that area with Brother Naomi. And we're going to be praying God's blessings on them as a God keeps his hand. That's, uh, that is, is a net that's connected to Grace Epstock Church over there. Okay, we, we, all these other pastors talk about all these missionaries that went from their church. Blah, blah, blah. We got someone going on over there too. That's from our church. That's Brother and Sister Clee, and we're so excited for them, and we're going to be praying with them and ask God's blessings upon them when they go. <clears throat> Amen. Chapter 13, verse number 47 and 40, and to verse 50 says, Jesus is, is teaching here. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net. Everyone say a net. It's like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathereth of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Wailing of national teeth. Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is as a net. And I want to talk to you for a little bit of time on the subject, the kingdom of heaven as a net. Everyone say amen to the reading of the word. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord Jesus. Some of the young people may not know who he is, but does anybody in this congregation remember the comedian by the name of Jerry Clower? Has anyone ever heard of Jerry Clower, the, the southern comedian back in the... Jerry Clower told, was one of the greatest storytellers of his time. In fact, Paul, Paul uh, uh, Bryant, Bear Bryant, Jerry Clower was, uh, was a football player, and he knew Paul Bryant, a very hardened coach. And Paul Bryant heard Jerry Clower was coming to the school to visit during a, a certain uh, practice, and he, they said that Jerry Clower sat up in the, in the coach's box with Paul Bryant, who was a hard man, and told him stories, one story after the other. And, and they said Paul Bryant was laughing so hard that he forgot the men were down there practicing. And they went two or three hours longer than they should have for practice because the coach was paying more attention to the stories. And one of the players said, I'm just glad that Mr. Clower ran out of stories to tell because we would have been practicing all day. But one, one story uh, that... Mr. Clower tells a story and a joke that some of you have heard and you will know when I start. Jerry Clower tells the story of the greatest fisherman in town named Old Claude. Old Claude was the only man that could catch fish even when no one else could catch fish. Claude often invited others to see him how he did it and what his secrets were, but no one seemed to care. But his abundance of fish caught the attention of the game warden. He took, all, he, took, he took old Claude up on his offer, and they drove down to the lake and hopped in a boat, and off they went to go fishing. The warden got out his fishing pole, put the bait on the, on the hook, and he threw his bait into the water, and he waited with anticipation to see the secrets of this great fisherman. 
Just then, old Claude reached under his seat and pulled out a stick of dynamite. He lit that fuse and threw that dynamite into the water, and boom, water flooded the whole boat there with the warden and, and Claude sitting in the boat. And just then, a couple minutes later, fish begin to float to the top, big old catfish belly up, and Claude began to put those fish in the barrel that he had in the boat. At that time, the warden yelled at Claude and said, hey boy, that's, that's illegal. You can't do that. Don't you know you're breaking the law? It's wrong for you to fish like that. At that time, Claude had already lit another stick of dynamite. The fuse began to burn, and uh, he handed that, at that moment, he handed that fuse stick to the warden, and the warden says, you idiot, you know we can't do this, this is against the law, this is going to send you to jail, and Claude simply looked at the warden and says, sir, are you going to argue or are you going to fish? I suppose when it comes to spiritual fishing for souls, we can argue over the best tactics. We can talk about and debate all day long what's the best Bible study tool for us to use to reach the lost. We can debate and argue over the programs that are best used to win people. But I believe Jesus is saying, are you going to argue or are you just going to go fish? At some point, the church has got to take the principles that we've learned and go out and do something with it. It's one thing to have a class about how to be a soul winner. It's another class to talk about how to win souls and how to teach Bible studies. But if you don't go out there and fish, it doesn't matter what kind of practice you, you practice. If you don't have people in the boat, what good is it? Story, I'm not going to get into it, but there's a, there's a long story about the, 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 the fishing club. It was, it was a, a club about fishermen, and all they talked about was fishing. They talked about the best bait. They talked about how to fish and where to fish. And for, for months and months, they, they talked about the best practices of fishing and how to be the best fisherman you can be. And finally, one guy had been to meeting after meeting after meeting. He says, and he was very offensive because he says, you know what? All you guys are doing is talking about practices, but no one here fishes. None of you are fishermen. And they were so angry because the fact of the matter is it doesn't matter how much they talked about it until they actually go out there and fish. In fact, he said one guy actually did that. He brought back two fish in this club, and guess what they did? They made him the main speaker. <laughs> because they want to know where he went. They want to know what kind of fish, and all of a sudden he became a circuit speaker. Why? Because he actually went out there and won two fish, and all of a sudden he was the head of the club. Because everyone else was talking about fishing, he actually went out there and went fishing. Our theme for 2020, casting our nets again. It is our goal and objective as a church to hear the leading of the voice of Jesus Christ giving us direction and for us to use the tools available to cast our nets and to reach for as many people as we can in 2020. But I'm going to tell you this, being a soul winner doesn't happen by accident. A fisherman doesn't accidentally catch fish, but rather they make preparation, they make plans, they put out the right bait into the water in order to catch fish. I mentioned last week in our communion service, which I'm so glad we were able to have it, what, what a wonderful service it was. I mentioned some great things that have happened in 2019. I shared some stories of people 
that were fishing for souls outside of the church walls. We showed some pictures of what they had done. We talked about P7. We talked about uh, uh, Brother Lucas and Sister Lily, what they were doing in Honduras. But I unfortunately forgot about one, one, uh, one situation we have going on from our church. And Brother Brad actually helped remind me of that. And I was apologetic that I had forgotten, unfortunately, to include this in what was happening in 2019. And that was uh, a picture of our man up uh, men's Bible study that Brother Saber organizes every month in his office, and these are some of the. This is a picture snapshot of, of what happens on the second mo- uh, su- uh, Saturday of each month. This is a group of men um, gathered around the table discussing biblical things that Brother Saber brings e- uh, every month. Let's we got another picture. This is a picture of some of the men that one of the uh, of the meetings that we have uh, the, the the Bible study on the man up meeting. Then we have one more picture. Sometimes there's so many men there that we can't, we can't gather around the whole table. There's too many men that gather for that Bible study that Brother Saber has, has put together. It is a time for different men from different walks of life to come together and take inventory. We read scriptures together. We pray together. But let me tell you this, those men that meet on that Saturday don't meet by accident. It wasn't like they just all called and just, hey, let's just meet over the Sabres place. Let's just get together and talk. No, it didn't happen that way. But before there has ever a, a man-up Bible study happen on that Saturday, there was a burden on Brother Sabres' shoulders that realized that I need to do something more. It's not just about me going to church and just being saved, but there's something else that I need to do. And so he made preparations and turned those preparations into action. And I'm going to tell this church something. If there happens to be a line of men at some point in time coming to the church wanting to be baptized in Jesus' name, just know it was not an accident. But someone was listening to the voice of God. Someone had cast his nets in the water and said, I want to be a soul winner for Jesus Christ. Come on, all of us ought to think that way. There's more I can do. It's not just about me being saved. It's not just about me raising my children. But there's lost souls that I can reach for Jesus Christ. I want to win someone for Jesus Christ. Has it happened yet? No. Have we seen anybody be baptized because of the man up Bible study? No. Has anyone joined our church because of man up Bible study? No. And that's not even what it's all about. It's not simply about the numbers of our church, but rather outside of a church. Are we being effective? Are we taking the gospel from here over there? It doesn't matter if we keep it here. We've got to carry it to the lost where people need to hear the word of God. So no, there's been no attendance boost because of our man up Bible study and we don't count that as a failure because those men haven't come to church but once a month regardless Brother Saber brings good food and he brings a good Bible study and on that Saturday he casts his nets one more time and I don't know exactly when it's going to happen but Brother Saber be assured, let me remind you as long as we keep doing the right thing and doing what God wants us to do, there's going to be a Saturday, you're going to cast your nets in the water, and you're going to try to pull those nets out, and it's going to be too great for you, and you're going to need people to come help disciple all those.
the people that you win to God. I don't know where you've been reaching. I don't know where you've been fishing. But 2020, I ask you, throw those nets in the water again. Try it one more time again. If it's a neighbor you tried before, go ahead and try one more time. If it's a contact person, your list of people on your phone, go ahead and go through your contact list. Say, hey, who haven't I talked to in a while? Who haven't I reached for in a while? Go ahead and cast your nets again one more time in 2020. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is speaking the parable of, of what the kingdom of heaven is, is like. Forgive me, I've been kind of dealing with sickness myself. Of what the kingdom of heaven is like, and he uses many references of what the kingdom of heaven is. He says it's a man who sowed good seed in his field. The kingdom of heaven is like a, a mustard seed. The, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Who A woman put a little bit of leaven, leaven the whole lump. He, he talks about the kingdom of heaven being a treasure in a field. And he talks about the kingdom of heaven as a pearl of great price. Finally, he speaks on all this wise and says the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net. Now, the gospel is also connected to the kingdom of heaven. The gospel is as the kingdom of heaven. It is when you preach someone the gospel, you're bringing the kingdom of heaven down to that room where you're at. When you're telling them about the death, burial, and resurrection, that is the gospel. That is the net that Jesus is talking about, preaching and teaching the gospel was God's command to his disciples. When he told them to go out and teach and reach and make disciples, he's telling them, I want you to go out and cast your nets out for men. But he said, I don't want you to only preach locally, but rather I want you to preach it in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the world. The fact is, they were to fish everywhere that they could. They were to fish everywhere. That means that the, the net of the gospel is a universal net. It is not just for certain areas. The gospel is for all people. It would be used to reach all people and all nations and all tongues. Look at verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast in the sea and gathered of every kind. Everyone say every kind. That's not just the white kind. And it's not just the black kind. And it's not just the red kind. And you, we know the story of God loves the little children of the world. Everybody, that net, that gospel as a net was used to reach every kind of person. If that person has breath in their body, that's a person that Jesus Christ wants us to reach with the gospel. That net, folks, is used to reach every kind. See, if it were up to some people, we would just fish for our kind. Some fishermen only want to fish for a certain type of fish. They only want to fish for salmon. They only want to fish for walleye. They only want to fish for the good, good kind, the good-eating kind. They only want to fish for the game. They only want to fish for some kind, so they bait their lure just for that kind of person. Or that kind of fish. So they only want to catch their own kind. And some of us are the same way spiritually. Some people only want to fish our kind of people. I'll fish in that neighborhood. 
outreach for those people. And if we bump into a certain people, we pull up our nets. We don't even try. We don't even want them to know where we go to church. Because we're afraid we're gonna, they're going to ask us, where can I go with you? I don't want to bother with those people. You ever get a fish on the line? I don't know if you, some of you fish or not. You may not want to talk. But man, you, you've got a great old, you got a big old bass on that line. It's, man, it's about to snap your line, man. It's going to be, the, it's going to be the, the envy of all your friends, man. A big old largemouth bass can be about 8, 10 pounds, man. It's going to be great. You've been fishing all day and finally you got one bite and you're going to pull up that old bass and man, oh, it's going to be beautiful. They're going to sing your praise when you get in the shore. You're going to tell all your buddies it's going to have a big, big old belly on it. You're going to be able to put your fist inside all those things you do with a big old bass. All of a sudden you're pulling it out, pops a catfish. Man, I don't want to deal with some stinking catfish. It's got all those prongs on the side. I just, it's gonna sw- and those catfish, they don't just barely nibble. They swallow your line. You've got to get a new hook. You've got to cut that thing off. You can't even deal with that fish. And all of a sudden you're hoping for a beautiful bass, but you end up with a catfish. In your, and all the wind in your sails is gone. Because you're fishing for one, and you didn't plan on getting another, and you weren't ready for that. And there's some people that you come across. I'm telling you, to be a a soul winner means you look at people as souls. You don't look at them as what culture you like or what culture you don't like. You don't look at them as what kind of music they like and what kind of music you like. But rather, if you're going to be a soul winner, you just worry about sending out the net. See, what we do when we bump into someone we don't want in our church, we lift up our nets because we don't want to catch them in our nets. I don't want that family in our church. They have too much work. They have too much things going on. They have too many issues. But the biggest thing you need to realize is everybody has issues. We've all had issues in our life. We don't, we don't want that kind of cr- I don't want that kind of crowd in my church. You know, if you if you have that kind of crowd in your church, you have to watch out for your purses, you know, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to lock things up, you're gonna get storage bins, and you're gonna, you know, someone may try to steal money out of your purse, and man, that's just a lot of work. What was the church designed for? Tell me who did Jesus come to serve? Who did Jesus come to die for? Did he only come for people like you? Guess what? I don't want my church to look just like me. I don't want every face to be a white face, but give me black faces, give me yellow faces, give me red faces, but more importantly. God, just give us souls in our church. Just cast out the nets and let God decide who gets in the net. I wish more of you would be standing to your feet because I'm talking to you about the truth. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter where they come from. It doesn't matter how they look. I'm telling you, you better get behind the vision because God sent a people that you wouldn't think that are going to come, but you've got to love them for Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you something right now. I did not preach for reaction. There's some men that come and they say, well, pastor, I've seen them. He told me personally, pastor, I don't preach for reaction. And then they're preaching and people are responding, is that all you got for Jesus? Is that all you got? Like like, like what they said was so great that that, that we should be standing on our feet and standing on our head because, but, but they are preaching for reaction. So when your pastor tells you, I wish we had more people standing on your feet, I got to know that you're behind what I'm saying. I got to know that you're not here just for a free meal and you're out. But rather, if you're going to be part of the church, you're going to buy into the vision of this church. So when I talk about 
reaching people that you don't think would come to this place. I need to know you say, Pastor, I don't care if it's someone I don't know. I'm going to love them for Jesus. Why? Because that's the mission of God. That's the mission of the church, and I believe it. I'm going to reach for everybody that God gives me. But I'm going to be a soul winner. And I'm going to throw my nets into the water because that's what God commands us to do. So on certain situations I'm preaching, you don't respond, that's fine. But when it talks about, when I talk about the heartbeat of God reaching souls, it ought to be something that stirs all of us. It ought to, it ought to shake us to our core. When I was thinking today during prayer, what if 2021, January 2021, God said, I'm coming for everyone that's won a soul in 2020. And your, your, your ticket to heaven is you've had to reach and talk about and actually won a soul in 2020. What would we all be doing, man? We'd be, we'd be out on the next day, man, knocking every door we could. Why? Because we know how important our soul is to us. I'm telling you, it's that important that we get behind the message of casting our nets. Listen, we are, it's just so what happens is you start fishing in areas where you know the fish are going to be. So you set up your little program, like a little community deal. You know, you go to a community and you, we tried that before. We set up a little community area and in this little neighborhood and this apartment. It's going great until we realized no one speaks English. And then it was kind of hard because here we're investing our time and we're really reaching people that we have no way of talking to because they don't know English. And so we closed down our thing, and we go out and say, well, we did something for Jesus, and we never reached people, and we close it down. We're not doing it today. We don't do that on a, every Saturday. It was, it was something we did for a while when uh, Brother Downs came through and Maddox, and they got us all excited about winning souls, and, and it got us excited, so we went out and did something. We did it a couple times, and it worked well, but we quit because we, we couldn't speak their language. Instead of us being smart and praying and facing God, give us someone that speaks their language and let's make them a pastor of those people. We just quit. I'm telling you, fishing isn't easy. Casting your nets is a lot of work, but it goes by faith. God, give us someone that speaks every language. God, give us workers in the harvest because the harvest is too great for us. So instead of us saying, well, we're not going to fish over there because we don't know the language, why don't we get down and fast and pray and say, God, give us someone that speaks Arabic. Give us someone that speaks Chinese. Give us someone that speaks Japanese. As a church, realize that the, the, the work is too hard for us. Because we are a multicultural nation. And don't you think the church ought to resemble what the, the, the country that we live in is? A multicultural church. I promise you, you start praying, God, give us, give us people of different languages and different nationalities. I'm telling you, God will bring them in. But let's not forget, God, give us people that can speak those languages. God, give us people that can reach those people. Why? Because I don't want to quit short. Because we said, well, we don't have the people for it. No. God said, if you're going to pray for anything, pray the Lord the harvest would send laborers into the field. Oh, God, give us people of every nation to reach every nation. And so we become picky fishermen. We become fishermen. And, well, I don't want those people in my nets. I don't want to have to ask those people over to my house because they're just, they're just people I don't care for. And, and, and so we, we become we become you know, picky with where we go, but 
But God says, listen, the net is a universal net. Don't, don't you think, don't be responsible for what gets in the net. It's not the church's call. Who comes in the doors of the churches? Now, I, I understand we're living in time. We saw the, the church shooting, the tragedy of that, that we got to be careful. We, gotta be, we have to understand, we're, we, the, the enemy wants to come in and bring whatever he can in. we got to be careful there. But at the same time, because, of, uh, because that we don't like certain people, that's not a reason that we ever stop someone in the door. Oh, we don't like that kind, or I don't want to take them out to eat because I don't like that kind. Listen, you just let God put the fish in the net. Whoever God puts in the net, I'm going to pull them up for Jesus Christ. My job is not to be picky. My job is not to pick and choose who gets the gospel. My job is to reach and to preach. And whoever God puts in the net, I will work with them. Because Jesus shed his blood for more than what's in here right now. The universal message of all souls to be saved was a message the Jews struggled with. Jesus said, I want you to be witnesses unto me and Jerusalem, Judea, yeah, boom. We got those guys, we know those guys. And into Samaria. Acts chapter 1 and 8. Oh, Jesus, she, <laughs> we don't really like the Samaritans too much, so maybe we can bypass that and go further out to the end of the world because we don't like the Samaritans. No, the gospel is to people that you don't like too. And the people you don't want to care about and the people you don't like and the people you've had division among. And they struggle, and I wonder at the point that Jesus had be witness unto me, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, at that point, if the disciples didn't remember John chapter 4, that Jesus found himself on Jacob's well, fishing for one woman that was an outcast in her city. And, she, and Jesus began to talk to one woman. Jesus went fishing where all the other Jews refused to go. Jesus reached for people that no one else wanted to deal with. But because Jesus did that, we find in Acts chapter 8, there was a great revival of Philip. They received that baptism. They, re, they received the Holy Ghost. Why? Because Jesus cast his nets in areas where no one else wanted to go. Some of our young people, maybe you can change the tables you sit at for lunch on certain days that you go to school. Maybe you can cast a net in another area. Maybe you can cast a net where people don't sit, sit and they're the, kind of the outcasts. Maybe we can cast our nets into areas where people don't normally talk to those people, but we will because we realize the kingdom of God is a universal net that we're used for all people. Won't be too much longer, but I do want to say a, give you a point here that's, that's very important to what this is all about. So the net is used to catch many people of different kinds. When the gospel's preached, we're not sure who's going to respond to the gospel message. But the gospel message is very powerful. It's very stirring. When someone, when someone who's been involved in sin and they, 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 they've been dealing with drugs or whatever they've been dealing with, and they hear about the, 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 the powerful message of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection, it's, a, it's something that brings people in. They, they, they love the, the powerful message of the gospel. So we don't know exactly who comes in because of the response of the gospel. But the image that Jesus is talking about also is referring in this scripture to the church and his judgment in the end. Okay? He talks about 
the nets are cast, right? He says, many different people are going to be in that net. All types of people are going to be in that net. Now, this is also used, this image is also used in chapter 13, verse 25, of the wheat and the tares. Same situation, just different example. The good man sows good seed. The enemy comes at night and sows tares among the good seed. Okay? So when they begin to gather up together, the wheat and the tares or the weeds are mingled together. So here the same situation is, you cast the net out. The net is really a picture of the church today. All different people, races, colors, creeds, all these things. All these people are in this big net that the gospel has been preached to. But he said in the end, they pulled the fish to the shore, and the Bible says this, says that, um, did I miss my spot? It says uh, here, which, verse 48, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So understand, in the net that the gospel has caught, are people in the net, some are good, and the Bible says some are evil or wicked. Now, we don't want to say that about people because we don't want to be judgmental and we don't want to hurt people's feelings. But God is very sure he knows who are good and who are unrighteous in his own church. God says just because there's a church full of people doesn't mean that I think everyone's righteous. And <clears throat> He's saying, I, just cast the net and let the net gather the people that are there. And maybe the grace of God will reach them and they come to church and we look at them and say, man, those people, they don't want to live for God. And, and, and we are so bombarded. We're, it's almost like we're just like beside ourselves based on the people that don't want to live for God. And we almost lose our salvation. You, you lose your victory because of what someone posts on Instagram. Why, why are you letting that affect you? What? Someone just, can you believe they post that picture on Facebook? Don't they know they shouldn't be posting? And we lose our, the, the people that want to live holy are losing our joy over what other people in the church are doing. But, but, but Jesus, just, just cast the net. Just, just throw the net out there and, 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 and you're going to be full of a lot of different people. There are going to be people in church that are going to be unrighteous. There are going to be people that you, that means there are going to be people you worship with on Sunday. That Monday morning, they can't wait to get to the first bar. They can't wait to get to the first party. They're going to live it up. Why? Because they don't really love God. They're here because it's social, but it's not really something they want to do. And they, they've not given their heart away. And you're just, you're, the word bumfuzzled comes to my mind. I don't know why bumfuzzled comes to my mind, but you're bumfuzzled by why they don't want to serve God. That means you're just, right, whatever that means, you take it for what it's worth. And I, <laughs> I heard someone say it sometime. But you're just, you're, you're, you're frustrated. Why? Because, because they don't want to serve God and, and they, they don't want to do right. And what we do is we want to help God divide the righteous from the unrighteous. Guess what? The net hasn't been pulled up yet. When the net pulls up is the day that the Lord comes back for his church and separates the good. But right now we're in the net. We're, we got the picture of the net. And right now we're just swimming around just doing our thing. But what, if we're not careful as a church, we want to separate the good and the bad inside the net. <laughs> Don't hang out with them because they're the bad ones. 
the righteous few, man, we're going to have prayer meeting, we're going to be good and holy, but we're going to socialize ourselves and we're going to love each other. But those, those, those are bad and, and we want to help God out. We want to look down our self-righteous nose and, and tell the Lord, Lord, don't you know that person? How come they're singing? How come he's preaching? How come they're teaching? Lord, they don't have a right. I don't know what they've been doing on the weekends. And we're trying to tell God how to do his job. But God says, don't be afraid and don't worry about it. Because in the end, the Bible says, the angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just. You know, and, and, and let me go back to that, what I was going to say in verse um, 24 and 29, uh, 24 uh, of chapter 13. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in the field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Well, we're going to get right to work then, taking care of all these tares. Let's go to work right now. Let's divide everybody out. Let's do it right now. And the, the, the good men in the house realized, let, let's have wisdom here. Okay, let's have wisdom. The servant said unto him, wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? Should we separate them right now while they're young, while they're still moving? And he says this. And, but he said, nay, let's while you gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Now I believe in preaching strong doctrine. I believe in absolutely keeping holiness. I believe it matters what you look like on the outside. It matters how you live on the inside. I believe in all that. But there must be a carefulness about us as a church that we don't like the, the people of the good man saying, Lord, well, these people are doing this wrong. Do you want us to get, ha, get with them and t- to kick them out of the church right now? Do you want us to, the Bible says, mark them the cause of vision. So should we, should we mark them and, and divide them? No, no, God said, don't worry about that. If you spend your time Trying to tear up every tear in the church, you're also going to hurt the church because also along with it, there's some good people in the church as well. There's some good people who love God and don't be a judge. Don't be the one telling us who should go and who should stay, but rather let God know that in the end, God's going to be the judge in the end. And don't worry, God's got his name and his number on all those living holy. You just keep living holy. Those that want to rebel, let them rebel. Those that don't want to serve God, let them don't serve God. But just work on loving Jesus. Just work on getting holy and being holy and let God deal with all the other stuff. Let's all stand to our feet. I've got a friend. And he said, every Sunday, now imagine this, every Sunday his stomach is in knots. And he's a pastor, good pastor, good church. His stomach is in knots. Because he's worried about who's not going to show up to church on that Sunday. I said, so what about the people that do show up? Yeah, my stomach's also in knots because I want us to give a good presentation for the new guests as well. So he's in knots based on who's not going to be there, and he's in knots based on who's going to be there. That, talk about a man torn. But he's in knots because... It drives him crazy when he knows so-and-so should be there where they normally sit and they're not. And they, they're not there and he's, he's in knots for it. And he's upset by it and he just drives him crazy. Listen, it is not for us to try to make people sit in a seat if they don't really want to be there. 
It's not for us to figure out and fix the, 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 the fish in the net. That's not for us to do. Our responsibility is to throw out the nets. Our responsibility is to teach Bible says, Guess what? God calls the end from the beginning. That means if someone's hungry for the word and I spend time with them and I pull out a Bible study and we have dinner and we get together and in two weeks or three weeks they're gone, guess what? That wasn't a waste of time. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I just reach and love on the people that are in the net. I Listen, God knows if they're going to end up in the end. God knows if they really want it. God knows if they're really, listen, the, the rich young ruler Man, he was awestruck by the awe of Jesus. Man, he wanted to be like Jesus. He wanted to be close. But Jesus says, you've got to do this first and get rid of this first. And he couldn't do it. He saw the price he had to pay and he could not do it. Guess what? You're going to work with people and they're going to see that the road's going to dead end eventually. They've got to go right or left. And they may go left and they may leave the church. And you're going to say, oh, I spent six months with those people. But guess what? You go find someone else. Because it's not our job to fix the fish in the net. It would be so easy to try to do it. And it's, it's so easy to want to fix personal quirks and things. We all have issues. We all have things that we'd like to point out. And, but in the process of us fixing the church, we hurt good people along the way. Because he said it's just going to happen. It's, it's the casualty of trying to fix things in the church. And I, as a pastor, I want to fix things. I do. But... When I look at the vision of what the Lord gives us here in the Word of God, our responsibility is just to love the people that are in the net. And one of these days, the angels will come and take away some of our friends that weren't serving God and really had a secret life. And they, they put a smile on their face when they came to church and we thought, man, they're good. Where are they in heaven? How come they're not here? It's because they had a double life somewhere else. They really didn't want this. They wanted the world instead. But until the day of separation comes, let it be said of the church, we love those people until the angels separated them from us. Let it not be said that the church stopped loving them short. Let it not be said the church quit reaching for them because they were too much work and too hard and too, too hard to deal with. And because of that, the church had no response. But I want to love them to the end. Did not the Bible say Jesus loved them until the end? He loved Judas until Judas went away himself. Do you know that Judas betrayed him? But guess what? I 100% believe if Judas would have gotten his heart right and came back and ran, Jesus would have loved him just like he loved Peter. But Judas, to the end, decided to make that choice. Listen, there's going to be some people going to make choices to leave the church. But I want to love them until the end. As long as I can love them, I'm going to love the fish that are in the net and let God deal with the rest. So thankful we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So thankful we still believe it's in the word of God. I don't care what day and year it is. The gospel is still the gospel. Jesus' name, baptism, full submersion behind that screen is still the only way to have your sins remitted. You can repent of your sins and feel, feel good about what you just did. That's great. But until you're baptized, water baptized and full submersion in Jesus' name, in the blood of Jesus, your sins are still in your life. You have to get those taken away in Jesus' name, baptism. And then you can raise your hands and pray, and you can begin to say hallelujah and praise the Lord, and guess what happens? He can fill your mouth with a different language, and you can begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. If you've never repented of your sins today, if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, today would be a great day if you say, you know what, I want to leave this place clean for my sins. Today's that day. If you've never received the Holy Ghost, today would be a great day for you to come down to the front, lift your hands, and God will fill you with the Holy Ghost today in Jesus' name.
But we're going to open up these altars for everyone. I wonder if we can come and love on God. I wonder if we can get this burden in our heart, Lord. 2020, I want to cast my nets again, Lord. Lord, I just want to love on somebody. I want to love on those people that are hard to love on. Thank you again for joining us here at Grace Apostolic Church. Hopefully this message spoke to you as it did for many others. Grace Apostolic Church is a church family that you can be a part of. If you would like to connect to the church, the best way would be to visit our website at gacclawson.org or visit one of our services. Our service times are Sundays at 11 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7.30 p.m. For more information, you can go online at gacclawson.org. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.